0: You know we are in a swipe right swipe left mode uh, so i think uh, that has crept into the space as well you know, which means you know your end-to-end, end-to-end transaction from the time you onboard to the primary end transaction has shrunk from days and probably even weeks to you know seconds. So, hello everyone
1: today we are talking to wamsi krishna wamsi has been into fintech industry for over a decade and he's a tech person at core and is currently the cto of access bank mutual fund so let's quickly jump into the podcast now. Hey, Wamsi, welcome and thank you Hi, for inviting to the show. So, Wamsi, uh, you have been a fintech insider. Can you walk us through your journey and how you think the fintech space has evolved over the years?
0: Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks. Thanks uh, for having me here, Pritesh. Uh, pleasure to be here. Um, you know, even before we get into the fintech uh, evolution, etc. I think fintech is uh, a jargon that we have caught up uh, for the last six, seven years. Um, When I started my career 20 years ago, uh, I think it was technology for banking and financial services, right? You know, not really fintech. Uh, So I've seen the, you know, complete 360 degree move from uh, technology being a backbone or, you know, enabler function to coming to the fore, uh, you know, where... uh, technology is kind of uh, pseudo running the business, right? You know, and that's where the word fintech, you know, there's more tech than fin uh, probably in some of the organizations and uh, it could be the other way in some other organizations. Uh, But I think that's the kind of evolution that I've seen. I've started my career with a bank uh, and ever since um, I've been with a bank or a non-banking financial services organization over the last 20 years, Uh, both sides of the table, both as a consultant as well as, uh, you know, an insider technologist. Uh, that's been my journey. Uh, I started out as a developer, uh, formative uh, days of my career as a Java developer. Uh, moved on to shell scripting, kernel programming, uh, moved on to Cloud, DevOps and uh, later parts of the career. Uh, have been heading uh, engineering teams, uh, operating as a CTO for the last uh, uh, six odd years now. Uh, I'm, I'm currently CTO with uh, the mutual fund arm of uh, Access Group. Uh, so that's a brief about me, uh, Pritesh uh i think in terms of evolution uh i think there is uh, there are a lot of things uh, that have changed uh, from a time when uh, we used to call the interface a graphical user interface just to punch in details ui ux has emerged as you know a totally different space right now uh from a time when infrastructure was just infrastructure to make the applications run Today we're talking about uh, cloud enabling scalability for these uh, organizations. So that's, I think, uh, the massive change that has come in. And I can go on, but I think um, you know, UI/UX, cloud, you uh, uh, know, to ensure scalability, and the fact more people want to do things inside than actually procure an external uh, legacy platform uh, and you know just maintain the legacy platform. I think that has been a sea change.
1: Again, why do you think? Uh, why do you think tech is an important part of the finance industry now? Uh, finance has been industry has been into picture for many many centuries now. But tech has gotten deep into the finance space. Why do you think so?
0: I think uh, two three things uh, have changed massively, uh, especially over the last few years. I think the whole uh, mobile uh, evolution has changed. Uh, Uh, How people access services Uh, it was not limited to banking or financial services essentially, right, you know You're uh, you're using mobile essentially to play games uh, make calls uh, listen to an FM radio uh, You know text maybe uh, And probably a few more things, but uh, you never did uh, uh, you know what you do today uh, With the mobile right Uh, and uh, and then mobile coincided with uh, the internet uh, evolution from uh, 2G's to 3G's to 4G's to 5G, right? Uh, So I think these two things fundamentally changed how people access services. And I think banking and finance uh, is not an exception there either. So there's a lot of mobile intervention that is required. uh, And now that has to do with a lot of tech, right? Uh, You know, the ability to run these apps on your mobile at a... Uh, page load speed at a uh, you know at a performance that uh, doesn't discourage people from you know dropping off the journey you know Uh, this has changed a lot I think that's one element where tech has become uh, super important the second is uh, you know it's easier to engage with the customers on the mobile right you know your ability to engage with the billboard on the Express Highway versus your ability to engage them right on their phone. You know, Even if somebody's on the Express Highway, they're probably looking into their phones and not at the billboard, right? Uh, so I think uh, tech has therefore become very important even in terms of social engagement, uh, you know, follow through the journey of, uh, you know, um, users, uh, uh, you know, uh, mobile activity. Uh, so I think this has uh, been a sea change. Uh, the second is about instant gratification, right? You know, the whole social media uh, evolution also meant that you know you want things that much more faster you no longer have the patience to wait uh, submit an application and wait for 15 days for somebody to call you back or visit a physical branch etc cetera, etc cetera, which we you know which uh, um, you know to be fair the institutions took for granted as customers we were also quite uh, uh, okay with uh, doing that uh, today that uh, patients Uh, is no longer around you know there is instant gratification everywhere Uh, you know we are in a swipe right swipe left mode Uh, so I think uh, that has crept into the space as well Uh, which means you know your end-to-end transaction from the time you onboard to the time when you end a transaction it has shrunk from days and probably even weeks to you know seconds and minutes now so I think yeah
1: Yep, yep, I think uh, technology and instant gratification in general, the the desire of instant gratification in general has transformed radically transformed many industries and I think uh, it was high time uh, finance was also up for disruption and I could see that clearly that even the larger financial organizations have taken to technology, it's Not it was not that the entire fintech space got disrupted, the, the old organizations got replaced. Uh, The old organizations, the larger organizations, they were able to adapt to technology. And that was brilliant, uh, that was something that probably nobody had got got to see, nobody could predict actually. But coming to large fintechs, uh, being a CTO at a large fintech has a lot of responsibilities, right? Especially when the company is always in public eye. So to start with, I first want to understand, do you still get any time to code by any chance?
0: yeah uh, i think that's a great question and i uh, honestly wish i get to do that more often than i uh, get to do now um, so my my own ability to write code and you know spend time doing stuff that i enjoy uh, you know did shrink uh, uh, partly you know thanks to the larger governance that we uh, you know constantly have to take care of uh, in a uh, corporate uh, setup uh, that we belong to right now uh but i still enjoy writing my aws lambdas uh, reviewing code closely with uh, you know peer programming etc uh you know we work with a lot of partners uh, you know and we follow the uh, you know code review practices whether it is sonar C- cube etc you know we do that very religiously uh, yeah hopefully we'll get to do a lot more uh, in the coming days
1: Got it, got it, got it. And you've been at the top of a lot of tech stuff that Axis Bank Mutual Fund has pioneered in the fintech space industry in general, especially among the AMCs, the asset management companies, actually. And you've recently received the CIO 100 recognition for the same. How has Axis Bank Mutual Fund fundamentally proven to be more technologically agile than its contemporaries?
0: Yeah, I think two things played very well for us. Uh, The first thing is uh, our early adoption of Agile. Uh, You know, we were uh, one of the first few at a group, not just within the, uh, you know, uh, mutual fund business, uh, really, but uh, as a group, access group in whole. You know, Agile adoption has been uh, very active. Uh, we've had uh, multiple leadership level uh, interventions. Uh, the leadership themselves getting coached on agile practices and then it's spiraling down across the levels, right? You know, whether it's tech or non-tech, everybody had an appreciation for agile. And what it means, you know, and what a scrum would mean and you know, what the uh, uh, scrum discipline really about, what's a sprint discipline really about. I think people have become very familiar with uh, agile ways of working and the benefits that it brings, you know, while it's very hard uh, as a change as we uh, adopt in the initial days. We're taking this uh, so typically agile in most organizations is the the, the legacy organizations, right? The organizations who tend to have a baggage. You know, when they go through the agile transformation process, uh, they they're. Uh, uh, focus is really on the digital assets, you know, because that's where the scale is, and that's where the expectations on user interface and user experience is very high. High, uh, so you know, um, adoption for agile, you know, uh, within their software development uh, processes, etc., is by far limited to just the digital assets, you know, whether it's the mobile app or the website, which is B two C front ending, right? What we did is to really take it a notch higher to systems that may not have a direct uh, customer intervention, but will have. Uh, you know uh, a bearing a bearing on customer experience uh, post uh, acquisition right you know for example our uh, you know customer servicing right you know the CRM systems that we run uh, they have been a differentiator for us uh, we've got a boutique uh, CRM for uh, the sales teams and we've got uh, you know, uh, Microsoft 365 uh, for uh, servicing, both of uh, them, uh, both of them run on an agile mode, it's not just the front-ending assets, but also the servicing assets, uh, we, you know, uh, the development for even the servicing assets happen in an agile format, so that's one. Second is, you know, we've been uh, very, very proactive with uh, how we engage on social platforms, you know, WhatsApp for sure, you know, uh, uh, it's a study that, you know, we look into our phones every uh, seven minutes and uh, probably the first thing we do when we are on the phone is to check WhatsApp messages, right? So WhatsApp engagement has been very high and, you know, the thrust on Bharat banking or the thrust on taking things beyond the, uh, you know, top 30. Uh, Cities of uh, the nation requires a lot of language intervention, right? You know the uh, moment you go beyond the top 30 cities, you know, you need a lot of uh, language interventions local uh, uh, You know uh, language support, etc. So that's where I think uh, our WhatsApp uh, uh, support capabilities uh, chatbot uh, support capabilities in a multilinguistic format, you know, we started with uh, uh, you know, just a, uh, a couple of languages. Today we do uh, roughly six, seven languages. You know, all are uh, most of these are uh, uh, languages that are spoken by significant, uh, uh, you know, proportion of the country's population, right? You know, whether it's Bengali, Marathi, uh, Gujarati, uh, you know, uh, the South Indian languages, etc. So, yeah, I think this has been a differentiator for us as well.
1: So we are also a very WhatsApp first uh... Uh, in general, I'm a very WhatsApp-first believer, actually. I believe in uh, using WhatsApp for customer servicing because customers are there on WhatsApp. I would love to understand that you said Access Bank Mutual Fund is very uh, mobile-first, very uh, WhatsApp-first in terms of customer servicing, and you're very heavy on that. I would love to understand how else you're utilizing WhatsApp capabilities and what are your future plans for utilizing WhatsApp capabilities to service customers?
0: Yeah. So I think uh, the step one was to go through the, that's the easy part, right? You know, just sending the notifications, et cetera, you know? Uh, So the notification part was the easiest uh, part, you know, and then we went through a stage gate by stage gate evolution. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, I would not be right in saying that we're done with what we can potentially do, you know? on uh, WhatsApp bit or, you know, in terms of uh, servicing possibilities on the chat platforms, right? You know, I think we are far from that uh, But to be fair, we did uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, interventions. The first stage of phone notifications is now long behind us. The second step, you uh, know, journey was to really make it a question and answer-based uh, interaction, you know, where, you know, users could probably fetch their uh, information, uh, you know, through uh, pre-populated questionnaires. You know, this is the second stage case which we uh, you know uh, kind of progress through the third one was to make all this uh, language agnostic you know and be available for people in as many languages uh, that we speak in the country that was the third stage and uh, we have done a significant amount of work there and there is some more work that uh, we will continue to do on that front that's the third gate The fourth one is to kind of make this responsive and generative AI, right? You know, so if if we can get the mood of the customer, the pulse of the customer, looking at the kind of questions that are being asked, looking at the chat conversation, if there is an aggressive tone, if there is a very disappointed tone, et cetera, et cetera. You know, can we then convert these into human interactions? Can we then convert these into, uh, you know, uh, physical interactions, Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Or can we get these... uh, not just about uh, the potential, high potential customers, you know, uh, all across to the branch leadership or the regional leadership. I think that would be the, uh, you know, uh, next set of uh, interventions that we would want to bring about. You know, we are already on uh, the path of bringing some of these uh, capabilities, uh, but I think the next year will be crucial in getting this, and eventually all this should account for an intelligent ecosystem for uh, the customer, right? Uh, it, and it's not just WhatsApp, when I say chat, right, you know, whether it is uh, WhatsApp whether it is the chat but that uh, somebody goes on to the uh, website that we hold I think uh, you know these are capabilities that should uh, span across the ecosystem of customer servicing that's 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 what we're looking at Pratish.
1: Mm-hmm. got it got it
0: and <clears throat> once you,
1: uh, I did read that you guys are very heavy on cloud adoption and uh, so typically large enterprises typically face a lot of inertia in cloud adoption right what made you adopt cloud and what are the challenges you faced in the process?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, maybe a small correction there. You know, we are not already very heavy on uh, cloud, but are we very heavy on our mind share for cloud? Yes, we definitely are. Uh, you know, um, uh, and what drives cloud adoption? Uh, for us it's not really that you know the entire you know the f- fomo factor hasn't uh, really been uh, the driver you know we didn't have this fear of missing out that okay look at uh, you know my peer group etc and uh, then adopt because cloud if done wrong uh, you know if uh, done wrongly could have other repercussions uh, you know uh, so there are assets you know belonging to a um, business that's very heavy on uh, compliance. Uh, you know, we have to be careful with what can go on cloud, what cannot go on cloud, what are cloud-ready, what are not cloud-ready. So we did that bait first. The second thing we did is uh, to look at cloud as a solution for scale, right? You know, scale and performance are not really you know, uh, a rationalization exercise, right? So you're making two decisions here. The first one is, do you really want to maintain two teams? You know, And can you afford to do that, you know, in the long run of things? Can you have a team, can you have, uh, you know, a partner sitting and, uh, you know, working on your on-prem setup and at the same time you have a in-house team and a partner team also co-managing your cloud setup. And then to further complicate, you know, if you choose multiple clouds, you know, you're only complicating it further, right? So should we do that? Should we not do that? That's number one. Number two, look at on-prem as a, you know, heavy strategy and look at cloud as, uh, you know, a roadmap to get those assets which will get you customers, which will give you customers that higher CX. Uh, Can we just look at that? So the later was the approach that we have taken, to be honest, right? You know, we said the digital assets, um, you know, uh, whether it is the mobile app for the B2C, B2B front, whether it is the website for the B2C and the B2B front, these required, you know, an unfair distribution of, uh, you know, compute and, uh, you know, memory, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and the scalability needs there are very, very dynamic. You know, you could have an NFO launch and therefore, you know, higher uh, volumes. You could have an event, a world event or a national event that could trigger. Uh, So there are multiple triggers that will require sudden surge in, you know, your traffic and your load handling, performance handling, etc. So that's a place where, uh, you know, we were uh, very, very cloud friendly. And in fact, uh, we have already migrated onto uh, the Amazon cloud. That's one. The second area is uh, on the data piece, right? You know, the whole data warehousing and, uh, you know, uh, ability to generate the insights and, uh, you know, uh, MIS for multiple teams right? Uh, as data, data never shrinks, right? You know, data only grows. You know, you can manage data by putting it in uh, uh, different shapes and orders. You know, you want to put some in lakes, some in marts, some in warehouse, you know, uh, some in sheer databases, uh, but it never shrinks, right? You know, it's only your ability to manage, but, uh, you know, otherwise data per se is only growing. And therefore, you know, how do you, you know, kind of uh, build for this scale and manage it better and give the right experience to your own uh, in-house Uh, teams business teams who want to chase the right customer for the right with the right product i think uh that's the second place right you know we are uh, re-engineering our data warehouse onto redshift which is a cloud native uh, data warehouse platform uh and it's not limited to just the dwh the etls that we write you know we are rewriting them onto uh, a cloud ready platform uh you know so you know, we try to get a license agnostic or a platform agnostic and you know uh, get everything onto cloud native suite right so that's uh on the data bit so the first one were the digital assets the b2c b2b uh, website and the uh, mobile apps so the second was the data warehouse uh, bit you know, which uh, we're moving on to cloud mm. I think uh, this is uh, this has been our strategy so far. You know, as we move forward, you know, we will continue to explore what will fetch us better CX, uh, what will let us uh, handle scale better. Where we see, I think, long story short, where we see scale, uh, cloud becomes a choice, right? Where we see, uh, you know, ability to handle volatility, ability to handle dynamic, uh, uh, you know, scalability in requirements, I think cloud becomes a choice. That's the view, Pradesh.
1: I think I uh, couldn't have said it better, actually. I think scalability is where cloud comes into picture and fast scalability is where cloud has come into picture. And that, that has been my uh, experience as well. I think you. Uh, I noticed you mentioned that data never shrinks. I think I remember a quote from, I think, five years back where it said that uh, 99% of the world's data was created in the last two years. And this quote is going yeah. to remain true for the next few decades as well. So, <laughs> so I think... Uh, yeah. And you talk yeah. a lot about data and you're dealing with highly sensitive financial data right how challenging is the security aspect of that data and how do you deal with it
0: well i think um, that's a million dollar question right you know we're all uh, you know uh, learning and struggling to make the hacker's life a notch uh, more difficult on a day-to-day basis uh, but even as we try to do that there are new Uh, there are uh, new developments, there are, uh, you know, newer paths that people break. Uh, It's a a hacker versus, uh, you know, CISO battle on a daily basis. Uh, So I think from a data standpoint, this is our stance, right? One is encryption irrespective of uh, whether it is in motion, rest, you know, um, it should be encryption all the way. That's one and the encryption standards you know if you are using keys etc you know those keys are, should be your keys right you know you should be able to just like you can bring your own device you should be able to bring your own key that's the sec- that's the second aspect you no know? uh, the first one is encryption and how you encrypt is with keys that belong to you and not sourced from you know I thought even if it's one of the most reputed platforms you don't want to do that right you know you want to use your own keys you want to bring your own keys that's why second aspect is, you know, uh, you want to rationalize the drift between, uh, you know, uh, the need to deploy uh, week on week on sprint on sprint, you know, you are uh, deploying newer stories. Uh, much of this, while it only goes through UAT and some sanity testing, uh, the idea is to kind of uh, bring in DevSecOps uh, elements there. Uh, you know, you can't really do a static uh, test for everything because then you are making a compromise on, uh, you know, Um, your ability to go live so while you can't do static uh, security testing which means you know you will hold the deployment until you are done with your AppSec uh, that's not something that we have taken as a call but AppSec remains very very dynamic and any story that can hit an internet facing platform any Jira story that can um, you know um, hit a platform with uh, user interaction uh, we try to increase the volume of uh, dynamic testing that we do, the appsec activity that we do. That's the second thing. Uh, of course, you know, the, the, the regulator needs us to do uh, a lot more uh, things around... Uh, Vulnerability management, penetrations, uh, you know, uh, getting ourselves certified, etc. You know, on uh, global standards such as ISO 27001. And we are on the path of all this, right? Um, The fourth element is uh, constant learning, right? You know, even as you adopt cloud, you know, it comes with newer challenges. uh, Because your on-prem world is very different from the cloud world. So, you know, we are actually incubating people, uh, you know, who have... uh, Uh, who who have had the experience of managing all through from security groups to identity and access management to you know getting the DDoS uh, checks done getting the SQL injection checks done uh, people who can read a SOC 2 report and interpret you know we're hiring this set of people right so broadly I would say these are uh, this is how we uh, you know uh, try to keep our game up
1: Yep. I think security is a key in, especially when it comes to the fintech space in general. Now, one last bit that I want to understand, which is, there is a lot of buzz around no code, around low code. And also the question that there is a threat to the general developer community yeah. Yeah, in general, right? As CTO, what's your perspective on the on those those questions and the recently emerging trends in the domain?
0: Yeah. No, I think uh, low code, no code has been a buzzword, and uh, you know um, uh, what were called workflow automation tools uh, are now being uh, you know uh, showcased as low code, no code uh, platforms. So I think it's important for uh, tech leaders to understand the uh, difference between uh, what's really low code, no code, and uh, what is just a workflow automation tool. There, right? You know, what's a BPM tool, right? Uh, most of the low code, no code platforms out there, uh, at least. In my view, have been near uh, you know uh, workflow automation tools, either to R and RPA tools, right? Uh, having said that, are there uh, enough and more low code no code platforms which can make a difference? Really, yes. I think uh, the investments from giants like Google, Microsoft, uh, Amazon uh, in this space. OutSystems is another one. Uh, you know has been phenomenal Uh, so there is a belief that uh, you know people would want to spend lesser and lesser time uh, writing code and more and more time actually designing the experience right Uh, to some extent it's also more Product center product manager friendly Uh, product managers who come with a tech background will be able to hop on to this uh, new wave of uh, growth very fast let's take a step back right uh, let's take a step back and see how we wrote code. Uh, you know, 20 years back, 20 years back, uh, when we wrote code on uh, you know uh, uh, our our pads, our uh, notepads, and then we compiled them through compilers, etc. Uh, then there was a stage when uh, we came to integrated dev environments, right? You know, whether it is the IBM's uh, WebSphere or the WebLogic. Or, uh, someone else, you know, we have started coming on to ideas So the whole idea of IDE was to give uh, the developer the tools to not basically remember the entire syntax of the classes, etc. You know, you just punch in and enter and then you know there's a drop down and you pick and choose and continue with your code. So I think we're just progressing in that direction. Some of the newer launches, you know, if you see Golang or, uh, you know, if you see Node, uh, uh, what really makes the difference is, uh, you know, they give you the low-code capabilities intrinsically, right? You know, you are writing things as closer to English as possible, right? And therefore, not really focusing so much on, you know, um, learning the syntax. Uh, you The focus is more on logic. That's one. Um, the second is they're also cloud-ready, right? You know, you can literally write, uh, you know, with the SDKs that are available on the cloud. So that also makes them very, very friendly. Uh, so I think it has been always... A charter. The charter has always been to make the developers life a little more easy. Uh, The question really is therefore you know should it make it so easy that the developer uh, simply doesn't have anything to do. Uh, I think that's the uh, million dollar question. Uh, We are far away from the challenge as we speak today. At 90% of low-code, no-code platforms that we're talking about are focusing on workflow automation and anything that goes from A to B in an STP process is what they're focusing on. Uh, second thing that's happening on low-code, no-code is also the evolution of platforms. For example, Flutterflow is one example, right? Uh, while there is code that they generate, that code can also be intervened manually by developer. So it's not like a sealed code, right? You know, it's, it's not just the, uh, you know, let's say we're building this app, you know, you're building a Flutter app using Flutterflow. So while you get the app, you also get the code. And that code is something that I can go and, you know, rewrite. I can go and change. I can add comments. So this is as good as, you know, uh, you know, a car that is automatic, but you know, if you want to enjoy the ride of a manual uh, drive, you know, you can still do that. I think those are the platforms that the developers more enjoy today. Uh, and I think that's more of the future than, uh, uh, you know, the platforms that just give you out the code that cannot be edited anymore. So I think that's my view, position.
1: I think those are brilliant, brilliant words, actually. I think the space is evolving really fast. Uh, i think uh, let's see where the world takes us takes us in the next two years maybe i think that's it uh Wamsi. uh thanks for making to the show and thanks for sharing a lot of views on finance on on technology on cloud on no code and that was a brilliant uh, episode uh thanks for making thank it thank you man.
0: so very much my
1: pleasure my pleasure please so hey guys if you enjoyed this and like subscribe and say a quick hi or share your thoughts and guess you want Also do share and tag us on Twitter or LinkedIn and let us know so that we can follow you and reshare. Also, you will find our community links in the description notes. See you again in the next discussion.